Um, okay, I wasn't really prepared for this, but uh, here we go. Um, yeah, I was talking to Anita last week uh, about how God's been very faithful to me over the years. Um, I've had a lot of health issues and stuff like that. I don't know, people probably see me walking around with a mask and stuff like that. I've had um, lots of health issues that they don't really know what's happening. I've had random digestive issues, just pain constantly ever since I can remember. I've been in pain most days of my life. Um, but in spite of that, God has given me the strength every day. There has been times that I've wanted to end my life because of, yeah, just being in pain and constantly sick and not knowing what is happening with my body and feeling like a burden to my family and to my new husband. And But through that, God has called me back to him, constantly reminding me that he is in control of every situation and no matter the spite, the pain that is happening to me now, it is going to be for his glory in the end. And I may not see that. And yeah, I don't know what everyone's going through today, but God is with us in spite of the pain in these times where we don't know what's happening. God is around us all the time and he is faithful even in our suffering. doesn't mean our suffering is going to end or we're going to know why, but he is there with us all the time. That's, that's just so good to hear a good testimony. Eh? Thank you, Jesus. I've always been told that Tanya's mum is in hospital with stomach cancer, so we might just quickly pray... Um, Stomach cancer is one of those, it's the bit, one of those big giants, isn't it, that you've got to face, some people face. But the bigger the giant, the harder they fall, right? So let's just pray that we just eradicate this from her body and this, that she'll just walk out of the hospital a miracle. So, so Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, for Tanya's mum, Lord. We just bring it to you right now, Father, Lord. We just say, Lord, that that stomach cancer that has been, is there, Lord, we just say to you to remove it in your mighty name, Lord that no giant can take anyone else out, Lord, that not when you're living and you are a living God, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that we just redeem that, redeem her body, sanctify her body, Lord, and just repel that stomach cancer, Lord. And we command it to be gone in Jesus' mighty name. And we, Lord, we just pray for peace in that situation too, Lord, throughout this, Lord, and just thank you, Lord, that you are doing a wonderful work there. In your mighty name, amen. Well, it's good that it's, I just love this church. It's just, it's just good to be here this morning at a full house too. It's always good to see a full house for the Lord. I, I actually was, um, I, sort of like this week I've been like really struggling with time-wise, with two kids and a full-time job and stuff like that. You can struggle with time. As everybody knows, <clears throat> it's, it's hard to find a quiet moment. Especially with two kids, <laughs> but look, I just want—I just felt I was talking to Frinny the other night, my wife Frinny, and I said, "I just don't know what I'm going to preach on," and she said, "Why don't you talk about you, what God's done in you?" And I actually just my heart just jumped when she said that, and I just—and last night when I was reading through my Word and praying and 
seeking a word for this to complete what she had said, I just really felt the word thankfulness. And it was just really good that Jeremy sang the song, you know, Great is your, what did you sing that thankfulness song? I can't remember the words now, it's just gone, but it was just, it was our first song we sang. And as I look back at what God's done in my personal life, if you look back in what God's done in your life, your testimony is your prophecy, what God can do in the future. Because if God's done something before, he could do it, so he can do it again. And if God's done something for somebody else, why would he not do that for you? And these are the common questions that cross, I would say, most people's minds because they cross mine and I'm assuming I'm just like everybody. We all face different thoughts and feelings, but I'd say they're all pretty much the same. I'm not worthy. Has anybody heard that from the enemy? I'm not worthy? I have. Well, I just felt as soon as I was writing these down, the answers came like that. I'm not worthy. And then I said, but he is, Ephesians 1. He has made us worthy by what he's done on that cross. Like, it's, it's actually, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by saying this, but it's a little bit insulting to say you're not worthy because it's totally disregarding what he did on the cross for you. As he lay there and bled and he's dying on the sins and dying on the cross and saying, I, my life I give so you can have life and you to say, I'm not worthy of that. That's really prideful, isn't it? When you think about it, if you look at deep into where that thing's come from, where does it come from? Pride. You're too good? For him to die for you, that's what it sounds like. And you don't realise that at the time, because at the time, you're just surface deep. It's just like, I'm not worthy, you know. It it sounds humbling, and it's all hidden behind what the enemy is. He's prideful, isn't he? Comes in, he's so prideful. He always has been prideful, and he just wants you to take the same path he's got, because he knows where he's heading. He's scared, and he wants to take anybody with him. And so, you are worthy. This morning, if, if that helps you in life to go, when you have that thought to say, I'm not worthy, remember the fear of the Lord to say, who are you to say that you're not worthy? Because God said that you are and you're worth his life. And if he says that you're worth his life, then you take that and you hold it close. And when these thoughts come that you're not worthy, you just say, I don't care because he is. And he says that I am. And why would I care what you think, devil? I can't do it. Does anyone have had that thought? I just can't do it. I give up. 3 a.m. when a baby's crying. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't change this nappy. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, Lord. Oh, this is the fourth time I've been up. And if he doesn't quickly shut up, then the other one will wake up. And then we're both up. We can't tag team then. Have you ever, if all those people with kids, probably some kids are good, obviously, and some kids are uh, just different. Every kid's different. And when Winston wakes up in the middle of the night, if he cries at a certain pitch, it wakes Mackenzie up. And so I can't sort of lay there and hope my wife will get up to get Winston because now I've got to get up to get Winston and she's got to get Mackenzie or vice versa. And you just work as a team, yeah? But those thoughts that say, I can't do it, that's just your flesh saying you can't. It's just you're tired. It's just, it's just what happens. But what happens you soothe them, you change their nappy, you do what needs to be done. Half an hour, an hour later, they're back, everyone's back asleep. You have did it. You can do it. And when he says that when you have that thought that I can't do it, you say, but he can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't start a new job 
because I'm too scared of what it will entail when I start this job. I can't go over here and do this thing because I'm too scared and I can't do it. But he can, and he's calling you. If he's calling you to do something, don't let you restrict you. Let God be the one who's in charge. Let him be the one that propels you. Like, it's amazing what you can do when you take your mind away from what you can do. If that, that, that doesn't probably make sense, but it, what, what I'm trying to say is, is if you take you out of it and you rely, and just look at him the way he looks at you, that you could do anything you want to do. You could do anything that he wants you to do. I have so many unanswered prayers. Have you ever prayed for something that never happens? You ever get sick and you realize this is... And people have, people have died of cancer and all sorts of things and God hasn't healed them. Reality is that we don't know exactly what God's going to do or what he, what he does. We know he can do it, but why doesn't he do it? These are all the age-old questions that have been asked for eternity. We're not the first person to ask it. You certainly won't be the last. We all ask them, well, if, why can't God give me that million dollars I want so I could just pay my house off and relax in the countryside? Why can't God just even give me $200 to pay my electric bill on time? I've been praying. I've been seeking him. No $200. But you forget that you've got a job that gives you nearly a 1000 bucks. You forget that you've got family that, if you just ask, they could help out. You forget that the amount of time, this is the one thing, I, this is the quote that first come to me. It says, I have so many unanswered prayers, but you have so many answered unspoken prayers. How many times have you got something and you went, I didn't even pray for that. It just came. I remember that, um, I don't think I remembered physically praying, like getting on my knees and praying that I, I pray that I can have kids because it's a reality that people can't have kids. It's, it's they, their genetics and all that stuff just, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes people, it's just not for them kind of thing. And I just never really prayed to say, can I have kids? I just kind of went for it and happened and and I've got two kids. So um, it's just one of those things I thought, I never actually, I don't think I really ever asked for that. I just kind of assumed, I guess, <laughs> you know, and there's this lot of things is like, when I moved here, I remember saying, Lord, I don't know what, I moved here without a job, and I remember asking the first cabinet maker for a job, and they're like, um, no, sorry, um, we haven't got enough work on and kind of thing, and I was like, okay, that's all right, and then I asked the second guy for, a cat, for the cabinet maker job, and he's like, actually, we're seeking someone right now, so it's just one of those things that just, God answers those unspoken prayers. Because at that time, I remember saying something like, Lord, just, I just need this, I need a job or something. And I didn't really know he had such a good job lined up. And there's so many things in your life that if you look back over your life, you could sort of see a sort of a pyramid effect how God's just taken you from level to level to level. If you look back and say, well, like if I look back over the last 10 years of my life where I was 10 years ago, when I was 24 to where I am now, at 34, I could see a huge increase in my life. It, financially, um, spiritually, uh, family-wise has grown, um, connections with people, emotionally developed better, mentally stable better. Just a lot of things have happened that I never really prayed for. And in Psalm 139, David says it perfectly. He says, 
You know my thoughts before they even speak them. And when he knows some, when he knows you so integrally, like and so inside of you all the time, that it becomes just nature for him to be able to read you, but you don't know that he's so good at it. <laughs> and so when he does, you just go, you're so surprised. You're like, wow, I didn't even know I really liked that. Like, but God knows your desires. He knows what you've liked from the very beginning, from when you're a little boy, a little girl, to when you're an adult. He knows what you love. He knows what you dislike. He knows that you, what you like to wear. He said, David says at least in Psalm 139 as well. It's a great chapter if you have never read it. Psalm 139 talks a lot about the Lord's thoughts for you and how great he feels about you. And he says, your thoughts for me, Lord, outnumber the grains of sand on the beach. And I kind of thought, I remember one day I picked up a handful of sand and I thought, how am I going to count that handful of sand? And then you look left and you look right and there's just countless grains of sand. And the Lord only thinks good things. So if he thinks that much good things about you, why are you thinking such bad things about yourself? Why do we even divulge into negative thoughts? I know Australia's culture is not the greatest for always um, giving us positive thoughts. Like, we always tell you what we're not. You know, like if someone says, how are you going? And you go, not bad. And say, how far is it up to the, the next church? And you go, not far, just up there. We don't really give you an answer. We just tell you what we're not. And it's kind of that genuine culture that you guys probably... I don't know how you guys go with our Australian culture. It's just probably a little bit confusing at the start. It takes you a while to sort of probably understand what we talk about and how we act. But for us, I guess, as some people are born and bred in Australia, it's just natural. I guess you just normally think like that because that's the way mum and dad thought, that's the way they spoke, that's the way I speak, that's the way I think. And only, only, you know, only certain traits can change over time by changing habits, you know. But yeah, and the other one I find a common one in like a common question is I have no faith for that. You know, like um, as I was saying before, like I've I've prayed for money for for bills to be need to be paid, and Lord, and I, at the same time of praying, I'm like in my heart I'm feeling I have no faith, literally no faith for that. I don't believe He's gonna bring it in. At the end of the day, that's what no faith means. You don't believe. So if you said, Lord, I just pray, I really want this bill answered, and the first thought you have is, oh my gosh, if it doesn't happen, what am I going to do if that $400 doesn't come in? How am I going to feed my babies? Am I going to be able to keep my house? And I mean, I've had those thoughts all through my life as a kid, till when I got my first house, to when I got my second house. And, then, and if I look back to this point, I'll go, he's paid every bill, every single bill. Every single one. He's been faithful, even when my faith wasn't. Because when you say, I have no faith, and it says, the Lord says, but all you need is as tiny as a mustard seed. That's all I want. I only need you to have a glimmer of hope. I just need you to have the hope for the things that are unseen to be seen. That mustard seed faith is all you need. You don't need big faith. You don't need big faith to get small things. You don't need big faith to get big things. The Lord says you need faith as big as a mustard seed and you can move mountains. Why? Why do you? Because this anchor of belief 
the anchor of believing something like that, like that you could do something, is attached to him. And he's bigger than everything that we possess or anything we can possess. So when you attach something so small to something so big, the smallness no longer exists. It's just the big thing and the big thing takes over. Does that make sense? That's just a very simple term of way of putting it. But basically, you give your little bit of faith to God and he takes your faith and maximizes it. And he says, I see, the, I see that faith and I'm impressed. I like that. How do you impress God? How do you please God? You please God by faith. Hebrews 11 says that you please God by your faith. So if you have little faith this morning, you're exactly where you need to be because little faith is what moves mountains. And next time that thought comes, I have no faith. I want my words that I'm saying right now to resonate in your being and go, but all I need is that mustard seed faith, that small, tiny bit of faith that just says, don't know how, don't know why, but I just believe that you know how and you know why, and I'm going to believe in you. See, that's the anchor of faith. If you, you don't have to believe on the thing you're believing for. You don't have to believe for the money to come in for a bill. You don't have to believe for that. You just have to believe that he'll bring that in. You just have to believe that he's faithful. And how do you believe that someone is so faithful? You look back on your life and you go, what have you done to make my life where it is today? Where have you been faithful? When I was a kid, God's always, God was always talking to me and I just didn't know it. It's only when I res- like looked back years later, like I'm talking like 10, 15 years later. I remember my mum used to play the Word, like the Bible on CD before MP3s and all that. So we used to play it on, on loop track. So just play, say, Corinthians 1 to Corinthians 2 or something like that. Just whatever the DVD could hold, the CD could hold. It would just play overnight in a loop form. And I remember getting up in the middle of as a kid and I had to go to the toilet or I think I had to go to the toilet and I'd walk past the CD player and it was playing a certain verse. Now, I cannot remember that verse. I wish I could, but I can't. But that's not the point. I can remember the ver- I remember waking up one night and there was that, the verse playing. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I went back to sleep. And it was the next night. And I don't remember the timing because it was always, we went to bed at like 9 o'clock, 8.30, 9.30, whatever time it was, it was whoever went to bed last would turn it on, press repeat and press play. So it could be any time. So it's not like we went, righto, 9 o'clock, guys, and everyone, bed, time. And then you could have set alarm to get it on the same point of the track. Because when I woke up the next night, I remember walking past the CD player and it was playing the exact same verse. Exact same verse. Like, you couldn't time that if you tried. Even if you set an alarm, I know what I'm like. I hear an alarm and I go, oh, five more minutes. So there's no way I would have got up at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. I didn't know what time it was. That was no, that's, that's, doesn't point, that's not the point. The point was I walked past and I remember going, oh, that's weird. Like, the same verse. That's, that's really weird. I, as a kid, I didn't think about it. And the next night, it happened again. And I remember going like, that's so random. Like, how good, like, I'm sitting there thinking, I think I looked at it one day and I went, what are the chances that I actually hear that at the same time? Very, very, very easily good chances. When the Lord's on you and he wants to say something through you, to you, 
he'll use whatever means that's playing. So he'll use a CD player or a loot track and he'll wake you up. And I didn't realise he was the one waking me up until years later. Like, I, if I just wished... I, <laughs> I just wished I had to know what I know now to go back and be able to go, write it down, Steve. Just write it down, whatever it is. And to know, but it, I think it's more the fact that he reminds me now that I go, he goes, remember that time that you, I don't know where I was at mentally or lonely or whatever, I was a teenager, so probably feeling a lot of emotions, but he was speaking to me. Remember that time that I gave that verse to you, you was, I was speaking to you, I was, I was challenging you. And there's many other times when you're like talking to someone and they say something that you've been thinking or feeling for weeks and they just say it in conversation like, oh, yeah, the sun's out today, it's great, yeah. Oh, I walked across the road the other day, I saw a blue dog. And, they go, and then you've had a dream about a blue dog the week before and you're like, tell me about this dog. And oh, I don't know, just, some, just a blue dog. It walked across to the supermarket and you're like, I was challenged about a supermarket to go in there and pay for someone's bills or something. I don't know. Maybe I should just go into that supermarket. Like, who knows how... I'm not saying that's an actual one, but that's how easily it works. That God is going to talk to you through general conversation. When you're so entwined with him, sometimes when you're talking to someone, you go, I don't know, this is weird, but I'm going to say... I feel led, I feel led to say that a ladder. Is there a ladder in your life or something that you need to have attention to? And that person might go, oh, my gosh, I was going to get on the roof this afternoon... And I, I had this thought about checking a ladder, but I was like, going to be whatever. And then they get home and they check the ladder as a crack in it. That's how simple it can be. Sometimes God's just looking out for you and it seems so simple, you go, surely not. Why would he waste his time to tell me about a crack ladder step? Really? Why would he go out of his way to do that? It's not out of his way. That's what God's doing. God just wants to work through us all the time. He's not wasting his time. We waste his time, really. But he's always talking to you, even in those quiet times. I remember talking a few, probably a few months ago, and I was saying, like, I was talking about desiring God and hearing from God, and sometimes it feels like no matter how hard you try to get towards him, you feel like he's taking a step back. Do you ever feel that? When you go... Lord, I love you. I want to, and he just, and it feels like he does these ones. It just feels it. Feels like this. You can't get around it, and oh, it's a horrible thought. It's a horrible feeling. Let me tell you now that feelings do not dictate your relationship with the Lord. That is something that I'm challenged with daily, and I'm sure most people are because we have this emotional connection with our bodies. <laughs> that sometimes dictate what we do or say. Have you ever heard someone say, I was just so mad at this bloke and I just lost it? You ever heard someone say that? They just lost it. That means they took their emotions over their common sense and punched someone out, basically. Don't get to that place with God. Don't get to the place where you just give up on him because you can't feel his presence. Just remind yourself, go back in your life. This is my challenge for you today. Go back over your life and ask him and just even ask him. But look back and just see how faithful he's been. He's brought me to church this morning. He's all brought you here this morning. All those worries and those thoughts that you've had over those years, where are they now? Hmm? Where are all those worries, you know, that you might not have a partner I remember, I remember being worried about not getting married. 
wow. <laughs> Just think about it now. I'll go, wow, mate, you're so immature on that part. One thing. But we all get challenged with different things, don't we? Like, you just, we just got to stop worrying about stuff. I'm a, I was always a big worrier when I was a kid. I remember saying to mum, like, oh, I was always worried about stuff. Mum goes, oh, you get that from your nan. Really? <laughs> She's changed since then. But anyway, no, mum doesn't, mum actually said to me later that it was just something that you've got to get a hold of. Because it says in the word about you've got to take every thought captive and bring it to the presence. What does that mean? I have a thought, I want to punch that guy in the face because he won't stop talking to me annoyingly. Is that a thought from you, Lord? Let me check. (laughs) I know, love one another. No, it's not. Okay, righto, so move on. So that's obviously not from me or from him, I should say. It's from the enemy. What about this one? Like, I feel like I should pay for this person's groceries. Do you reckon that's from God? What if you go, what about my groceries? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that thought alone, it's challenging. Someone bracks up $200, bills, $200 on, the, on the grocery cart and the Lord says, Oi, pay for that. And you go, oh, <laughs> hesitation, hesitate. Oh, you pull out your wallet. Oh, they're gone. Oh, I tried, Lord, I tried. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> But you always take every thought captive. How many, think, how many thoughts do you think you have a day? There's thousands and thousands. Imagine if you were to take every one of those captive. Do you reckon you'd start thinking about what you're thinking about? You wouldn't let your mind drift off into somewhere, would you? Like, you know, like, oh, what would it be like if I was in the sunny coast right now, swimming in the beach? enjoying myself, instead I'm here at work and instead the Lord's like, there is someone in pain right now in your workshop and you need to pray for them and you're too busy in the Sunshine Coast mentally. But if you were to check with him what he wants you to think on, your life will change, your thoughts will change and you will become like him. Do you ever wonder like when Peter said things Peter was Peter, wasn't he, in the Bible? And when he said things, the Lord always had a good answer for it, eh? Like, there was one time when he said, like, Peter's, like, saying about, we should build a a temple for each one of the, you know, Elijah and on the Mount Transfiguration. And it's one of those moments where you're just like, oh, my gosh, mate, just do you ever shut up? Like, this is a moment here, just stop talking. And the Lord was just so gracious about it because he was so in tune with God and his thoughts, he didn't just go, would you just shut up, Peter? Come on, mate. Slap him. What are you doing? Why do you have to be like this all the time? I mean, last week, you were saying this, and then you wanted to go fishing, and then all of a sudden, you cast out your nets, you can't find anything, you see me on the beach, you swim half a mile to see me. I mean, you're just up and blaming down like this all the time. I don't know what to do with you sometimes, mate. I don't think I'm going to give you the leadership of the church. I don't think this is going to happen, bro, because you just, I think it's John. I think John. He always thinks positive thoughts. You, mate, you're just all over the shop. You know what? See the door? Just keep going. Just keep going. You know, imagine if he said that. Imagine if the Lord spoke to Peter like that. You'd probably feel a little bit closer to the Lord, wouldn't you? You'd be like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I get that sometimes. 
But if he, because he took his thoughts captive, he didn't think like that. He didn't act like that. And when he, if he saw, like, you know, when someone says, I just, you know, we're saying before, they get angry and they just said, I just lost it. The Lord didn't lose it because he was always checking. He was always constantly checking his thoughts and keeping them under what God was thinking. Another thought that we commonly have is, God's given up on me. Oh, God's given up on me. Why would he waste his time with somebody like me? I mean, I've done X amount of sin up until Sunday morning even. And why would he waste his time with me even on Sunday morning at church? He's not going to talk to me. He has not got the space, not got the time, not even got the resources probably. I don't care. He doesn't care. Whatever. God is patient. He is kind. He is not easily angered. He does not remember your shortcomings. He never gives up on you. His love will never end. Never lose hope. He never quits and he never stops trusting you. That's 1 Corinthians 13. You know that scripture? Love is patient, love is kind. That is what God is. He is love. God is patient, he is kind. If you just think he's given up on me, you just go, oh no, I've given up on myself, but the Lord has not given up on me. He is patient and kind. He will never give up on you. Never, ever, ever. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you think you are. You know, you hear those people, they go, oh, you invite them to church and they go, oh, if I go to church, the roof will come down. I thought, what are you building up there? You know, you've been cutting beams or something or what kind of power do you think you've got? You feel like saying, well, you're walking with me, bro. That won't come down because the Lord won't let that happen. But that tenacity to say that the Lord's going to let that roof fall down on them because he wants to condemn them. Where do they get those thoughts from? Where do they get those condemning thoughts that the Lord will actually just split that roof in two and let it drop directly on you? I know that's a, a bit of a joke, but some people really believe that. Some people really believe that the Lord doesn't like them that much. And that's where you come into it. And the Lord says... I love you, and you know that, right? Yeah, I know that. That's good. Well, I want you to show that love to them. But, Lord, they're really annoying. I know. We talked about this. Calm those thoughts. Ask me what I'm thinking about them. Sometimes the most selfless act is to do something for somebody else. What if you started to stop thinking about yourself when you thought about somebody else? How does the Lord see them? How does the Lord see my boss? How does he see my work colleagues? How does he see my drunk friends on a Saturday night? How does he see that guy that just pulled out in front of me? How does he see that kid that's chucking a tantrum? How does he see these people? Everyday people. How does he see them? How many times have you asked that question? Let's stop limiting God to what we can do, eh? God's promises are yes and amen, and there are so many promises he has for us. If you don't know what promises he has for you, you just have to pick up the Bible and start reading. I will never leave you or forsake you, says Deuteronomy. I'll always be with you. I'll always care for you. I'll always trust you. But Lord, I just don't understand. I feel stressed. I feel tired. Let's go to Psalm 91. And I shall read you a brilliant verse. 
wish sometimes when you're up here you could just open your Bible and it'd just be on Psalm 91. And then I remember you have those stick-it notes you could possibly use as well, and I just did not think of that till this moment. <laughs> Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know the greatest thing we can possess is peace? How many people chase peace? You know, like there's a lot of Hollywood stars and stuff and they use drugs and they use alcohol and not just them, every, a lot of people do, but what are they after? They're after that peace that we possess, that we have tapped into. We have the ultimate drug that they want. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. And his faithful promises are your armor and your protection. What does that mean? When something comes against you, like sickness or debt or anything like that, you know, whatever you're challenged with, the Lord says, hold on to my promises. Hold on to it with that mustard bit of faith that you've got, that mustard seed faith. And that will be your protection. That will hold you to stand strong. How do you be a warrior in Christ? How do you be a strong in the faith? You stand on his promises. When he says he'll do it, he will do it. Amen. When you when you be like, oh, but Lord, we prayed over this lady and she still died when she had cancer. That's limited to your thinking. The way the Lord sees it, he finished it. He annihilated cancer. That person's in heaven. Whether we see the results here in heaven, here in this earth, or whether they go to heaven, is not our choice. God does what he wants to do, and the way he works it is something we're not always sure on, and that's true. We're not always sure what he's doing. But we can be trusting that what he does is what he wants to do, and it's the perfect will of him. We can be trusting, see, the more you get to know the Lord, the less you question his, the way he does things. The more you get to, like, go spend time with him, the less you question why he does something. Because sometimes you get frustrated and why he's not moving, and then you spend time with him, and then you realise, oh, that was really, really good. I needed to be there for another six months. That was really good. I needed to fix this moment. Or there's sometimes, you know, have you, you've ever heard of people having a flat tyre on the side of the road? And they go, oh my gosh, how inconvenient, Lord. I pray that this trip would be success. Why are you delaying me? Why didn't you not show me about this tire earlier? Why am I dealing with this on the side of the road? And then you find out five minutes up the road, there was a huge five-car pileup that you would have been in the middle of if you hadn't had a flat tire. You ever heard those stories? They're true. That happens. The Lord, whatever, sometimes some, some people, obviously no one here, um, they question God. And they say things like, why would you give me that flat tire? That is so responsible of you. You know I've got to get to Bible study. I'm just so confused, Lord, and I just don't understand the way you do things. And I'm so mad at you right now. Please don't talk to me. Give me 10 minutes. Now, it sounds silly because we don't say it out loud, but we think these thoughts that aren't directly about that word connotation, they are just general words of annoyance at the Lord. And the Lord's still faithful to you after all that. And the Lord goes, 
you don't understand, but you will. Sometimes Winnie wants to eat all the chocolate. One day in the morning, he woke up and Frinny left some Kit Kat or something on the bench, on the side where she sits on near the TV, on the couch there and feeds Mackenzie. And she's nibbling on chocolate the night before. Winnie woke up and it's me and Winnie in the morning. We do our morning routine and I let him run around for a bit before I feed him breakfast. And he was really quiet. And as soon as kids are quiet, you learn that that's not a good thing. So, I, I mean, it's a great thing for a parent because you go, wow, that piece is just really good. <laughs> Feels surreal. It is. It's a deceptive piece. <laughs> There's a storm coming, pal, and it's coming to your door right now. So you go out there and you check. I check him. And there's Winnie, he t- I said, win, and he turns around and he's got this full-on chocolate bar in his mouth. He's eating the whole thing. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to end well. And I had to take it from him because I'm a good parent. So I went, Winnie, ta, and he's like, no, no. And I knew it was coming, the tears, oh, they're going to fill a river. Here we go. The screams are just going to wake the neighbours. I take the chocolate from him and I said to him, you don't understand, but I'm doing you a favour right now. <laughs> and he's having a tantrum, trying to get what he wants. Does it sound like anyone? <laughs> you want to get what you want, and you can't get it. Why is that? Because there's a father looking out for you, and he loves you too much to have that. Why doesn't he just give me the million dollars to help me pay off my house? I could pay my friend's houses off, but you won't, because you're not there, pal. You're not there. The Lord knows where your heart is. The Lord knows where you're at. And don't look at it as like a bad thing. Oh, oh, he won't trust me with a million dollars. I feel so doom and gloomy about it. It's like that's a really good thing because you can step your way towards it. You can step your faith step by step. You know, life is a journey. It's not about just getting to the top and going, woohoo, I made it. See you later, everybody else. It's all about the journey. The Lord just wants to love you and show you every little... Because if you were to have something so big so quick, you'd forget all about what he's done for you. You'd forget a lot of stuff and you just focus on the one thing that he's given you. Sometimes the reason why you haven't got something is because you're just not ready for it yet. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really good, healthy thing. Because it's a journey that you've got to walk on. And I want to encourage you this morning that when you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, that you will find rest for your souls and that that's where the ultimate peace is. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Wow, the person, they must have been paid money to be with this, eh? Always be joyful when I'm crook, when I'm tired, when I'm sore when I'm fighting with my wife and kids, always be joyful. Why? Turn your mind away from what you're currently thinking on and put it on him. That's why you always be joyful. Your joy will overpower anything. It's like a trump. Have you ever heard, remember playing trump? Do you ever play like um, uh, 500? Does anybody play 500? And you've got that trump card, you know, it's, it's hearts or it's diamonds or whatever. Different kind of trump. Not the one I was really referring to, but... You can go with that. But yeah, joyful is your trump card. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to, Jesus, to, to, belong to Christ Jesus. When you're thankful for the, everything that's in your life, you forget about the current circumstances that you don't have or, don't, or you're challenged with. Like if I look at, if I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning to change a, a nappy or to 
console the baby. If I'm thankful in that moment, instead of being unthankful, I start to go, this won't happen forever. I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to. And as soon as you change your way of thinking, it'll change the way you feel about it. And I've got a perfect example because when Winston was first born, I remember when he used to cry in the middle of the night and needed a feed and a, a nappy change, my wife would elbow me and it was annoying like you would not believe. Like I was getting really upset and annoyed and angry because she kept, and it was waking me up, I've got to work tomorrow and all this stuff. It was being very selfish. I was very, I was very different that back then, two years ago. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I was challenged with this. So Frenny was waking me up so I could help. I said I wanted to help. She's given me the open door to do it, and I'm choosing to open the door, but I'm banging it. And then I said, she goes to me one day, she said, do you even want to help? You said you did, but your attitude says you don't. And I said, yeah, of course I do. Inside, I'm thinking, I, oh, no, I do not want to help. I just want to sleep all the way through the night. And then I was challenged by the Lord on this. The Lord spoke to me about it because my heart was getting convicted. And I thought, what if I changed the way I think about this situation? So I started to think about, I get to change this so my wife doesn't have to hop up to do it. And within, I think, the second night, I actually started to enjoy it. To the point where I was going, hello there, and talking to them, talking to Winnie. And really bonding with him during that time. And that way my wife could get ready and sit up and get ready for the, for the nighttime feed. But I was an integral part of that movement. I felt like a really great husband and I felt like a really great father and I felt like I was kicking goals. I felt like I was achieving things and my mind changed the way because when he cried, I was up before even Frenny elbowed me because I still sore from that. <laughs> That's just a joke. Okay. <laughs> He's always, he's always asking questions, the Lord is. Sometimes he communicates with you by asking questions. Is that really where you want to go with that? Do you ever feel that thought sometimes when you're driving down the road and you go, oh, come on, mate, would you? And then you have this thought like in the back of your mind that says, do you really want to be reacting like that? Look at yourself. And you think, yeah, I do actually. And you just honk the horn. There are moments in every day that you have a question you can ask yourself and they are godly questions. What am I, where, where am I going with this thought? Where am I going with the way I'm thinking like this? What am I trying to achieve in life if I'm going down this route? And you can go pretty deep and you go, if I continue on this route, where will my life end? Are they going to say nice things about me on my funeral? Are they going to remember me a couple of weeks after my funeral? Am I going to live a life that is worthy of him? Am I going to live a life that is full, blessed, joyful, sanctified, justified? Am I going to feel all those things and make sure other people feel them too from the Lord and give every ounce I can to him? Or am I going to feel anger and lost and lonely and sad and depressed and oppressed and let the enemy take control? Sure, I'm saved. I'll go to heaven, but the journey will be like hell. I want to challenge you this morning. 
to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, to find your peace. Find your peace to get your answers. Find your peace to ask your questions. Find your peace so you can be the true you God has designed you to be. We have a short life to live on this earth. How do you want to live it? It's not how do you want to end it, it's how do you want to live it. We've all heard testimonies last week and this morning about God touching people and you might be like, I wish God would touch me like that. Well, he can. He will and he does. He just needs you. Just needs you. Let's all stand for a moment. Finish the church slightly early. I just want to pray over everybody here. And um, yeah, we'll just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning that you brought us here. That you just honoured us with your presence, Lord. Lord, we just lift up our hearts to you right now, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven all our sins and that you are worthy for, you were worthy to die on the cross for us, Lord, that we are worthy of you, Lord, that we feel that we're worthy, that we think that we're worthy, and that we know that we're worthy, Lord, because you are. Lord, I know that our challenges every day can compel us to think negative thoughts and to, to be fleshy, if, if, if you wish, Lord, and just be human sometimes. But Lord, I just want us to come together with you, Lord, every day. Just remind us, Lord, speak to us. Help us to listen. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. And Lord, thank you for everything you've done. In your mighty name, amen. It's weird because at the end of my preaching, sometimes I don't know what to say. <laughs> Do you want to put on some music, Seth? Oh, Zeke, sorry. I've called you Seth twice today. I apologize. <clears throat> I'm always challenged every day with what God says to me about things. So I'm not perfect, hey? Like, I, I've chosen to be angry at people in the car park and honked at people and stuff like that. I'm definitely not a perfect man standing here. Like I've got all this together. I really haven't. I'm just like everybody else, just learning it as I go, having a crack like a good Aussie can or a good anybody can. But I just want you to go home today and just remember if it's just take home one thing is that to dwell in the most high, to dwell in his peace and it will just change your life. And not like a, you know, like, a million dollar check would change your life. Like this would change the way you think, the way you act, the friends you'll have, the things you'll get, the choices you'll make, the jobs you'll have. This is a, just like, this is the center of the core of our lives. It's like, I'm surprised it's not talked about more often about the peace of God. Like you hear this music and you just let it, rest on your shoulders and it feels like the words penetrate through your skin into your heart sometimes at work when I'm challenged with uh, moments you know anxious thoughts uh, angry angry thoughts challenged every day with this stuff 
I put on music that has no words sometimes. Christian music, just, and sometimes it doesn't have to be Christian music, it just has to be something that someone tweaking a guitar in a certain way, and I take it as His. I take it as the Lord's, I go, talk to me, Lord. And I just seek that peace. I don't know if anybody's like that. I'm so hungry for peace in life. Let's just be blessed this week with peace, eh? Enjoy your week. Be challenged. Be straightforward with what you're thinking. But most importantly, enjoy your life. That's what God wants you to do. Enjoy it. God bless you guys. Have a great day.